0: Hello, John. Hello, Brandon. How's it going? Good. I sound better this week, feeling better.
1: You do,
0: you do sound a lot better, yeah. I look great. I look just amazing. I walk by a mirror You're and i just like, damn, damn. damn. I, you know, All my friends, they look old. Everybody's getting old. But I, I'm, I'm going, I'm like Benjamin Button, man. I'm going another direction. I just get younger and younger. I look better and better. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how it happens. How can life be so kind to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in all yeah. in all honesty, I do just keep plugging better. You know, maybe I just started off ugly. I think that was part of it was uh, I could only go up from where I started. So as time has gone on, uh, I've just, you know, the ugly's worn off a little bit. So. There you go. There you go. Or you've just gotten used to it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you you start to like learn your angles and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and the beard helps. If I shave the beard off, you ever seen that, like, don't let you get beard fished meme going around. The guy has no chin. It's just like upper teeth. That's pretty much me. If I shave my beard, I don't even have a lower jaw. It's just my upper jaw and teeth and a nose. There you go. And there's nothing else there. Thank goodness for the beard. so today we're going to be chatting with Joe Bates, SE Fab. He's our distributor for less than pallet quantities of Kodiak Pro in the United States and really international as well. He's shipping a lot of stuff to people overseas that want to try Kodiak Pro products that can't get it any other way. So he can also help you out. I think he's shipping some stuff to somebody in South America right now to test out, which wow. is good. It's going to be good to talk to Joe. What do you have before we Yeah, be I'm excited a call? to
1: catch up with Joe again. I haven't I mean I talked to Joe quite a bit on a weekly basis, but yeah, great to catch up with him again on a podcast. We haven't talked to him in well since we started the podcast, right?
0: Yeah, I think he was mm, yeah. like the fourth or fifth person we interviewed.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you we were just getting our own feet wet moving this direction. so yeah, it'd be great to catch up with Joe.
0: absolutely. So what's new? Anything?
1: No, man. No, just again, rolling along today, uh, yesterday was all paperwork day, and I had a quite a bit of Tech questions.
0: What else? You know, Radmix. It's funny. We're gonna to talk to Joe a little bit about Radmix, but we've been working this week on doing a uh, printed bag design for Radmix because we're finally getting to the point where we're doing enough volume that the generic white bags and the label we've been doing doesn't make sense. So we need to go to printed bags. But I feel like we haven't done realistically. It's one of the things. Like we're so close to it and we're so familiar with it. And we know what it does. But I don't think we've adequately conveyed. To the general public, oops, knocking stuff over. I don't think we've adequately, adequately conveyed to the general public what Maker Mix and Rad Mix are, and why you want to use one over the other. What benefit right. does this one have that this one doesn't, or or vice versa? Do you want to hit that just really quick, a cursory overview of Rad Mix versus Maker Mix? Well, just being
1: totally frank, I'm using Maker Mix, and there's a reason. I mean, there's a reason I'm using maker mix i love it i love the sands that are in it i love the workability and you know it's pre-blended easy to pack or easy to open up and put in the mixer you know blah blah so we don't spend as much time focusing on the other amazing i'll probably use that too often like ridiculously amazing versatility of the rad mix uh rad is, you know Works fantastic for those guys who want to make terrazzo looks, use different sand and aggregates compared to what's already pre blended in the Maker Mix. You know, uh, use it different loadings. It still can have all the versatility of Maker Mix, meaning the different uh, formulas we put together for spraying, ECC, self consolidating, troweling, hand tooling. And now you have something that you can use gray Portland cement. If you have one that works well for you, uh, you're using con sands or some kind of local dolomite sand, white sand, glass, uh, the rad mix. You'll get those benefits and still hold on to using your cements and sands.
0: And it's going to be ultimately lower cost for materials because you're going to have to go out and get cement and sand and add it to it. Right. So it's going to be lower cost materials. But... The trade-off is time. Time. Time is the trade-off. With Maker Mix, you cut the bag and you dump it. And consistency in the sense of if you're not paying attention when you're batching Rad Mix and cement and maybe you're using two or three different sands, if you're not paying attention, you can get off track and end up having to recast a piece because you had not enough Portland or double the sands or whatever it is. Uh, We've all had that happen if you're batching your own mix where Maker Mix is... Fully pre-blended. You add your water, your TBP, and your fiber, and you're you're done.
1: There you go. And there's people who don't want to listen to me, you, and me. Be or or look at us like, oh, you're just being cheerleaders for it. There's a good one. Let's ask Joe. Yeah, Joe. Joe About it. Yeah, I mean i I can I don't remember how you know. it Seems like a week, so probably six months ago. The way time flies. But yeah, him and I had a conversation where he was making. I'm going to call it a more traditional concrete look where he needed a lot of salt and pepper sand. I believe he calls it con sand or concrete sand. So yeah, what's his input? He uses quite a bit of rad mix.
0: So I think the most basic level maker mix fully pre-blended done in a state of the art facility where everything is precisely batched blended with a high shear blender. You, you get a fully pre-blended mix and you save time. But for that, you're going to pay a little bit more because now you're paying to shipped to you, cement and sand in the bag, essentially. Where with Radmix, you're paying to ship to you all the goodies minus the cement and sand. So Radmix is all the amazing technology in MakerMix without cement and sand. You add your own. That's the difference. Radmix is the the magic with no cement sand. MakerMix is the magic with cement and sand. There you go. Just magic. It's all Magic. Magic. There's that. Uh, What else? I feel like there's something else I want to talk about. Fibers. So I've received a few questions this week about fibers. Where do I get PVA fibers? Where do I get air glass fibers? Nikon. So if you go to the Kodiak Pro website, click on Maker Mix or Rad Mix, scroll down, you'll see I actually added a fiber link. And you know we talked about in previous podcast about us carrying fiber as a service. But when we crunched the numbers, by the time we paid the freight to our blender and we paid storage fees and we paid picking fees, it just, it was going to be too expensive for the end client, the end customer, you, yeah the listener.
1: Upcharging everybody for that, I guess we'd call it a convenience. Well, it's not a convenience if we have to turn a, you know, a six, $6 product into a $12 product.
0: Yeah. It's it just, just doesn't so make you sense. you can have it. So yeah. we're just going to put you directly in contact with the actual manufacturer, Nikon. So on the website, go to Kodiak Pro, click on Maker Mix or Rad Mix, scroll down, you'll, you'll see that I've added that section on there. So co- contact Nikon. They'll sell you PVAs. They'll sell you they have half-inch AR glass fiber. Um, so you can get either fiber you need, PVA or glass from Nikon. So that's number one. Number two, let me, let me hit the highlights really quick before I forget. Open Studio for Kodiak Pro, Maker Mix, Rad Mix, TBP, ICT. It's gonna be Monday, February 28th, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. $100 per person, come spend a day with me and John, learn how to mix the mix properly, cast, cure, finish, seal. It's not a class per se, but it's an uh, introduction to the materials and to get you comfortable, right. get your hands in it, make sure that you know what you're doing. So when you go home, you feel confident. Uh, we've had so several- we Set
1: some more signups, yeah.
0: Yeah, we had several registrations this week for it. So uh, it's going to be a fun event. So that's going to be Monday, February 28th. Go to KodiakPro.com, click on shop, and then scroll down, you'll see the studio open house. Uh, next thing, Spring 22, Pinnacle Concrete Camp. It's gonna be a six-day workshop, John Schuler, Dusty Baker, Brandon Gore, fabric forming, concrete sinks, GFRC, UHPC, concrete countertops, dusty crete, upright casting, ceiling for the real world, super important, ceiling for the real world, business practices, marketing, pricing, all that kind of stuff. It is a phenomenal class. That's going to be uh, February 21st through the 26th, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. It is the world's best class on decorative concrete fabrication for high end precast. Come to Concrete Design School.com. Click on the banner up top to sign up for that class. $4,500 for first time attendees, $2,250 for people that have been to a Concrete Design School class before and want to just come do a refresher. Best money you will ever spend, I promise you. You come to that class, you leave. The first piece you make will pay for the class. Agreed. So yeah. come to that class if you want to do this for a living and you want to learn the most cutting-edge techniques to do it. Lastly, Concrete Gangster Stickers. I mailed out some more. I'm actually mailing out some more today. I want you to have one. I want you to have one. The way you get it, go to Spotify or Apple. Leave us a review. Hopefully five-star. Could be one-star. I don't know. But leave us, leave us a review. And uh, send me a message or send John a message. You know, what's going to happen. Someone's going to leave a message here pretty
1: soon because now you're losing that sultry voice, that
0: hey guys. great voice you have. <laughs> <want.
1: laughs> <Hey. laughs> you got to get that back, man. You got to get that back. It uh, was very calming.
0: It was calming. It yeah. was calming. I know. I know. Yeah, you that's know, a silver lining to being sick, but yeah, right. But I, I, I do want people to get the Concrete Gangster stickers and put them on your mixer, put them on your truck. And the way you do that is you leave us a review and then send us a message with your address. Hey, I left you guys a review. Here's my address. I'll put it in the mail to you. The other way to do it is go to Facebook, click on Kodiak Pro, like us on Facebook, and then join the Kodiak Pro discussion page. And then, same thing send us a message. Hey, guys, I, I just uh, joined the Kodiak Pro discussion page, like the page. Here's my address. I'll put it in the mail to you. So that's how you get that.
1: Awesome.
0: So I think uh, without. Well, further- hang on. I, I, oh, oh, I, forgot, oh, oh. I totally
1: oh. forgot. I did have one more thing to add. Okay. <clears throat> So anybody who has been listening regarding the United Kingdom and the materials headed that direction, they are now finally, you know, with all the hocus pocus going on, they have been picked up and shipped. And I believe Martin and Ashley are looking forward to having that material land somewhere around... Either the end of this month or the first week of Feb, first or second week, you know, however it takes the a, a ship to finally get over there. So, that's kind of the new news. That's you know, with COVID and everything, it took a lot longer in shipping and everything to finally head that direction. But that's
0: some updates on the UK distributor. Awesome, and that reminds me. One last thing is we were working with a potential distributor in Israel. Um, doesn't look like that's going to be a good fit for. Kodiak Pro so if there's somebody in Israel or in that region that's interested in being a distributor contact me and John we're going to be putting together kind of a more detailed guideline of of uh, how to become a distributor and you know what we expect of our distributors that kind of thing we are actively having discussions with distributors around the world and if you're interested reach out to us we'd like to talk to talk to us yep yeah so okay without further ado let's get Joe on the phone sounds good let's give him a call all right Hey, Joe, how's it going, buddy? Morning, Brandon. Morning, John. John, you there? Yeah, good morning. I'm here.
1: Yeah. Right. I'm always here.
0: We're speaking with Joe Bates, who's our distributor for Kodiak Pro products for anything less than pallet quantity, which is becoming more and more of, of what we're selling these days. A lot of people are buying... 10, 15, 20 bags and they need, you know, five pounds of TBP or whatever it is. So Joe Bates at SE Fab is the guy to talk to, but Joe, you want to kind of talk about what you're offering with Kodiak Pro?
2: Yeah, we got you guys. If you need less than a pallet, don't be afraid. Um, I mean, a lot of you contact Brandon through the, you know, through the Maker Mix website and um, he'll forward you to me. Uh, We're working on getting a website up and running. We just switched over to PayPal, which is a big deal, and I'm super happy with how that's working out, and customers are also happier with how they can pay via that and use credit cards, et cetera. So that's been really nice, and we're going to try to couple that up with a website. Of course, we're always running into the LTL shipping thing. You know, I also want to let people know that we're offered in, in really small quantities. If you need to order just one bag of RadMix, which we've sent a ton out, I think that's a really great way for customers to kind of get their foot in the mud and, and see what this stuff's all about. Because one bag of RadMix is worth, what, John's 3.3 bags of Maker's Mix?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you can basically mix up per the formulas, yeah.
2: Yeah, and at 30 pounds with a little bit of plasticizer with it, that ships really nicely via UPS in a double-walled, big old box in a plastic bag. I've had no complaints with how that stuff's showing up at people's shops. And coupled with the right sands, that really gives you an opportunity to to uh, see what Maker's Mix is all about. Um, I also, you know, and then the other thing is we come up with a, we're, we're downpacking into a, a five-gallon bucket, 45 pounds of Maker's Mix with a little bit of plasticizer. I also really encourage people to just order that because you want to see what Maker's Mix coupled with the correct sands can do and then get into the rad mix. And, you know, so you have a baseline. And I think that's what's troubling a lot of people. You know, can I use it with the plasticizer? That's the biggest question I get. And I will... If you're really dead set against it, I will include a little bit of plasticizer with it just because you need to try it with this before you understand.
1: Oh, yeah, It's night and day. Before you
2: even try to play with anything different. And I know it sounds like we're just trying to sell a system, but it's just like, hey, there's a reason for this. We've been through this process. I cannot stress it enough. At least try it. And you have a baseline, then you can try your own plasticizer and you'll quickly realize
0: why you use TBP. I had a guy call yesterday. He was trying to buy 20 pounds of TBP off uh, the Kodiak Pro website. And the only way to do that is if you buy a pallet of Maker Mix or Rad Mix because it rides on the pallet. So we can't ship individually. But if you need less than that or you just need TBP, hit up Joe Bates. He'll send it to you. But this whole thing was kind of the same thing you went through, Joe was when you first started playing with Maker Mix, you were trying to use, I don't know, was it was a Buddy Rhodes 420 or whatever you had left over? And you had some pretty big failures, right?
2: I still have about 40, you know, about five-gallon five, five gallon buckets of that if anybody wants it.
0: I know. I have a ton of 555 <laughs> five, five, and I have a ton of Liquid Polymer Plus and I'll make you a hell of a deal on it. You tried the Buddy Rhodes plasticizer. It, it didn't work with the mix. And, and other guys have tried other commercially available plasticizers and haven't haven't worked in the mix. But what I talked to this guy about is, you know, the plasticizer, we don't have a lot of margin in it. We don't make uh, a ton of money on plasticizer. It's just an expensive plasticizer because it's a very niche product. It's not widely...
1: Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, comparatively speaking to your marketed things available, you know, TBP is extremely specific.
0: Yeah, it's a very exotic plasticizer, so to speak. So we're not making a lot of money on TBP. If there was a cheaper alternative, believe me, we'd be all about it. So I was telling them, you know, let's say that you, you take Adva or Buddy Roads or whatever, and you try to do that to save, but what are you spending on TBP per bag? Maybe $2 in plasticizer per bag of mix. So you mix up five bags, that's $10 in plasticizer, or you could use the Buddy Roads. Well, that's $3 in plasticizer. So you save $7. You saved $7, but then you have to recast the piece because it doesn't turn out. And what does that cost? That costs thousands in time and materials. You're going, you're going to use another, the whole thing, a mix again, right? So you didn't save anything. And he's like, oh, I didn't look at it that way. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's where guys, they're stepping over dollars, to pick up dimes. I'm trying to save $7. So I'm going to spend $2,000 to recast. It's like, just, just spend the $7. We're not getting rich on TBP, but it's the product you have to use if you want to use Rad Mix and Maker Mix to their full potential and not have catastrophic failure.
2: Yeah, there really is nothing like it, and and we we had huge problems trying to use incorporate other plasticizers that we had laying around, you know, prior to prior to putting TBP in there. You know, the flip side of that too is a lot of people are just casting it and pushing it out the door, so it ends up being a subpar project, pro, you know, going out the door rather than recasting it. You know, when they're using something that doesn't quite work for them, they just can't. Oh, get you mean past they try to save point. it? Yeah, try to save. Well, it. Well, yeah. save it or just you know, look the other way and get it out the door. God knows it's, I've seen enough of that work around to know that it's just, you know, this is the bar that's being set and it's, it's a disaster. So really don't do that. Come to the right. Cover it in plastic and call
0: it good.
1: (laughs) Pour some epoxy on it and call it good. Yeah, there you go. As part of this whole conversation, you know, why Joe Bates? You know, why is Joe Bates you know, step, standing behind this material. Why, why fabrication for anybody who wants to know? So Joe Bates also has been part of this from the get-go. I mean, Joe is undeniably been one of my go-to people with, you know, come up with some wacky ass idea. What do you think, Joe? All right, I'll try it. (laughs) All right, let's go. So Joe's been along the path as transitions man. Joe has an amazing. Joe, how long have you been doing this? I mean, years of experience working with materials, these materials. He's using them himself in high-end projects. So Joe is more than just a source for these material and small packaging. Joe is why we chose Joe to be a part of this, because of everything he brings to the table. And that's what I need people to really understand, too.
2: Yeah, I want to say it's been since two thousand and six like within that first year of doing it I remember going to Sacramento meeting Brandon Gore trying to who sold me a or wanted to sell me a, a DVD about how to make concrete at the convention there best hundred
0: and fifty dollars you ever spent
2: dude you're telling me <laughs> I should have bought it I would have saved so much time well I think that yeah and that must have been I must have met John at that point. Yeah uh, John was at, there yeah. at a yeah. fellow at a fellow caster's garage house in in yep. sacramento where we hung i found a picture from that the other day dude it's insane really? and i remember talking to john I like hey we should try this rapid set stuff and then getting a call from john like two days later hey, oh man you know I, I, I and just it just started this whole string and it's gone on for years it's been a great friendship and, uh, it's really awesome to, uh, just have that constant bouncing off of ideas. I miss it. I miss, you know, I think a lot of that's gotten lost with, I mean, there were so, there were a couple of really great forums running for a long time there. And I miss that format on, on the internet, uh, a lot. I really think those were great
0: spaces that a lot of really cool stuff happened on. And the in-person relationships that used to be a lot more common. You know, yeah, it that almost be.
2: always grew out of that and yeah. going to right. things like those conventions. I met so many cool people in Sacramento that year and and kept in touch with them for many of year, years. A lot of them aren't doing concrete anymore. But that was just amazing. I remember just being my eyes just so opened at that. And it was so cool. And there really just has not been anything like that in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed.
0: So we got to work on that. Yeah. Well, we have a plan. We we have a plan to help build in-person community again. We've talked about a little bit about having some kind of really fun event that we're still working out the logistics on when we're going to do it, where we're going to do it, what we're going to do. But it's going to involve waivers, a lot of waivers, a lot of legal waivers. Luckily, we have a partner in Kodiak Pro, Andrew, who is a lawyer, so he can write some ironclad waivers to protect us in case anybody dies because there's a 50-50 chance somebody's going to die at one of these things. So we need uh, <laughs> we need to protect ourselves.
2: I see. I seem to remember a bonfire made out of melamine at a certain event. Oh, dude, totally. that. that's, yeah, that's yeah, every
0: yeah. event.
1: Spraying it through the <laughs> hopper gun. Remember that?
0: I mean, I'm thinking projectiles. I'm thinking we're we're making concrete like cannons and shooting yeah, projectiles at targets. That's what I want to do, and I think I think it's doable, but I think the danger factor is high, which makes it even more fun. I think we could do it. And not only that, we could test different mixes. That's what we're saying. You know, make the projectiles out of different mixes exactly. and see which one survive. Oh, exactly. Like yeah. So we, yes. there's some ideas floating around how to, how to make this happen.
2: I'm sure it won't happen in California.
0: No, no. <laughs> it, would, it would probably happen at Dusty's place in Tennessee because I think he has 500 acres now.
1: Something like that.
0: He's he, he bought a huge parcel of land. Three hundred something. Yeah. Backed up to his. And so now he's just got he's like essentially we can we can shoot, you know, mile that direction and it's still his property. So so yeah, so I, I think that's where we're gonna do it. We need to do it someplace where we can get crazy and loud and nobody's gonna call the cops on us. And and you can still get dynamite at the hardware store. <laughs> yeah. You still get it at, at like Toys R Us, I think. I think they sell dynamite there. <laughs> Cause there's still a Toys R Us in Tennessee, I'm sure. What? <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, so we're working on that. I think that is an important thing that has been lost and we want to bring it back and we want to facilitate those relationships. But we're also doing those relationships through, through just the day-to-day Kodiak Pro interactions and through you, our distributor. So a lot of people are getting back into concrete or just making these connections based on the, the tech support that we're offering. You know, you're offering. No, it's so
2: true. The tech support part of it is a huge part of it for me. I really don't mind spending time with people on the phone talking about things, and and I I really am super stoked because I feel like that connection's getting built again, and it's so awesome to talk to people. And when you have a venue where they're coming, kind of coming at to coming to you in a way that they wouldn't otherwise, you know, you're getting to meet people that are outside of your regular circle. So probably the funnest part of all this is, is getting to talk to people. And, you know, if you send me an email and your phone number is on it, I may not write you back. I'll probably just call you because it's just so much easier to deal that way. And people really appreciate that. And I can really move them forward. And what the other thing that's super cool is, uh, you know, it got quiet there over the holidays for a little bit. And then man as soon as January 3rd hit that week opened up it's just been a flood of inquiries and 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 orders going out small orders of people trying it and then what's really cool is a few customers are coming back and getting more you know they started with two bags of rad mix or something and then they're like hey that's good stuff I want five bags 10 bags I got a project coming up and and now it's so momentum all of a sudden just started picking up and it's
0: really cool. Hey, just so you know, me and John right now have been working on it the last few days. We're getting ready to do uh custom printed rad mix bags, like the the maker mix, which is you know a pretty big undertaking because it's ten thousand minimum bags, I think you have to, to order to have printed like that. But they're gonna be insane. They're gonna be so cool. <laughs> so I'm really excited <laughs> about it Yeah.
2: There's a lot you can do with rad mix.
1: I oh my like
0: God. It. well just the colorways we're gonna do you know so sitting side by side it'll be night and day you'll know this is maker mix this is rad mix you don't have to read anything you'll know what it is so it's gonna be a lot of fun so excited about that. Yeah, i
1: think it's time i mean that that i'm so thankful that that product has really started kicking off you know so you know the i don't know if it was on us or what but we didn't put the information in as as cleanly as everybody still those what's this what's that
0: dude so last night my wife asked me what's rad mix Cause I, I sent her the, I sent her the bag design. She's like, uh, what, what is this? I'm What's like, this? are you serious? You live with me. She's like, yeah, but what, how's it different than maker mix? I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I haven't even conveyed this information adequately to my own wife. Like, so yeah, we've right. definitely dropped the ball on what rad mix is. I thought it was implied in the name. I thought it was too.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's worth spending a couple of minutes on because, you know, I know that, John, I know you guys revamped the uh, the base sort of mix sheets that are on the website, and they're way more helpful because it includes a whole section on RadMix. But I think it's worth reviewing here on the podcast for a minute. You know, we we use it in our shop primarily to um, use aggregates that we wouldn't otherwise use uh, or couldn't use in the Maker's Mix because it already has the sand in it. And what's insane about RadMix is you can swap out all the sand in there for standard con sand and use this in conjunction with some federal white and get a really busy very traditional looking concrete mix and the 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 cement you know paste in there is insane it handles sealer beautifully way better than you would get trying to do it you know, was, you know, putting the base parts and pieces together. So even at a smaller loading, and even when you totally swap out the aggregate for something really wonky to get some crazy look, it totally works. It's going to make the cement that surrounds all that aggregate insane. It's going to handle sealer really well. And then on top of that, you know, It'll handle a range of sands and get you something close to what's in the maker's bag if you don't have access to those specific sands. But John also laid out on that sheet what exactly you should use to replicate the maker's mix. And, you know, you can use gray cement with it. I think some guys were really stoked on that. I I don't personally recommend it because gray cement varies so much. Yeah, across the United States, but you can, and you're going to get way better results than you would otherwise. You can
0: use glass aggregate. You can do all kinds of rad stuff that you could do in maker mix, but not to the extent that you can do with rad mix.
2: Yeah. A big one I get asked for a lot is to really replicate kind of that very traditional, super busy aggregate look. And we keep pushing it, you know, I mean, I think we're going to go to a lower overall cement loading to push it even higher and start seeing wh- what we get with that. But I'm pretty confident that, you know, really it's, it's, it's all about getting the cement paste that surrounds that aggregate to be much denser. And and it does that job even at lower ratios. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah.
0: And Terrazzo's, yeah. you know, the hottest thing right now in, in interior design, it's everywhere. Every coffee shop I go to, every restaurant I go to that's uh, new here in Northwest Arkansas, Terrazzo, everything, Terrazzo tables, Terrazzo countertops, Terrazzo wall tile, everything is terrazzo but if you want to do terrazzo radmix is a way to do it
1: yeah that's what i would go to that's for sure well that's awesome cost, i mean you know you look at from all that you, there's so many benefits and then ultimately cost i mean one of the people we're talking to consistently and and is it south america brandon mm. is that where is it south america who are you talking about um the prospective sending material down there become a distributor who's trying to pull out his liquid polymer. So he, you know, we recommend going the radmix directions. We ran the numbers with him and find out that which is an expensive product on his end to use liquid polymer. Radmix does not have any polymer or liquid polymer. So you know, it becomes so we're we're talking about all these benefits. You know, it boils down to your dollars and cents, too, when you're able to pull some of this expensive uh, freeze-thaw issues, you know, blah, 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 blah. Pull it out of your mix, and you have something so much better and more stable and a cost advantage as well.
0: Well, in in mix itself, we went over this in the early podcast, and I think a lot of people have found the Concrete podcast as of late, and they haven't listened back to the original ones. And the original ones aren't as good as the new ones. The new ones, we've definitely gotten better at this. but one of the things we really covered heavily in the first podcast are the costs. So maker mix yeah. is more, but you save on time. What's your time worth? And we went through all these calculations of like, if you just build a normal 85 an hour, you know, that any shop will bill for a laborer uh, to a client, how's that break down? And, and then, you know, versus rad mix and rad mix materials cost is a lot cheaper than maker mix, but your time is higher. But for a lot of guys still for them, they're like, yeah, I don't care. You know, I, I'll, I'll take yeah, the extra the hour to, to batch out everything and save on materials cost. And that's great. If you're wanting to do that, you can do that with rad mix. And then you have the added benefit of having more control of Portland selection. If you use gray and sand selection, if you want to have salt and pepper sands or, you know, some type of uh, decorative aggregate that you want to seed into your piece, you can do it a lot easier with rad mix.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think you can go over that enough to people and 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 hammer that message home, especially, you know, if you're picking up newer listeners and stuff, it's just, I, I don't, I do not understand why or how people value their time or why they value it the way they do. And it just blows me away. And it's, it's really the number one mistake I think people can make in this business. And And labor is always going to trump everything else in terms of your costs. And, uh, anything you can do to save on that is is just a win and if it just means slightly higher material costs then man i'll tell you it's gonna it, it there's no there's no contest and you're gonna make a lot of mistakes when you batch out stuff like that that's another one that people just you're gonna screw it up yeah and it's well, gonna cost you a casting
0: it, for sure and i agree with you 100 percent. and i've it took me a lot of years to come to that realization a lot of years you know like 18 years of doing it. the, I wouldn't say the wrong way, but doing it the hard way uh, of batching out all these ingredients to do each thing. And then when you finally get to, you know, I'll spend a little bit more for fully pre-blended that's done with a machine that's all automated. And I don't have to worry about proportions being off and, you know, sands getting doubled or being left out or whatever it is that happens when you have a laborer who's over here, headphones in, you know, batching out 20 buckets and one of them is wrong. And that happens. That being said, I think it's, it depends on, on the size of your shop and the scale of work you're doing. If you're doing small production, then eh, whatever, if you're careful, rad mix can save you money. But as you get busier, maker mix from a financial viewpoint makes more and more and more sense. But the other side of that is freight. So, you know, rad mix essentially equates to three times the amount of maker mix. Once you add your Portland and Sand. So one pallet of Rad Mix is the equivalent of three pallets of Maker Mix. Now, you still have to go get your Portland and Sand. Now, what's that take? You know, it depends on how close you are to a hardware store and, you know, what's your time worth? to get to drive down there and get 10 bags of this and 10 bags of that and bring it back. But that's something else taken to into the equation is freight. For Again, for a small company not doing a lot of production, it still might make more sense financially to go Rad Mix and then go get their own Portland and Sand and add that in and save that money. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to financial viability and profitability, all these numbers really become irrelevant if you're charging the pricing that you should be charging for the work you're doing. Then you're like, oh, well, I mean, you know, the extra 30 bucks of materials I have by using pre-blended, it didn't affect my profitability in any way. It doesn't make a difference for materials cost. So that's the other part of it is, you know, you should be charging correct prices. And then it's, a, a, as John would say, a mute point. Uh, a moot yeah, it point. is a moot point. It's a moot point. <laughs> moot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it's either way. I mean, it, the and we probably don't hammer this home. It is an inc- the rad mix is incredibly versatile from a whole different perspective. So yeah, it's a great. I mean, and again, we're excited because as it continues to pick up, as we just said, now we're going to be. We are now moving into, you know really nice bags as opposed to the current, you know, generic white bags. So, I mean, that's, again, moving forward, man. It's great.
0: Yeah. You know, I just had this in my mind, kind of this um, analogy of Maker Mix and Rad Mix. So, if you think of Maker Mix, like the really basic Swiss Army knife that has just like the knife and the small knife and the scissors on it, that's, that's Maker Mix. And then Rad Mix is a Swiss Army knife that has the corkscrew and the magnifying glass and it's like two inches thick. So, Maker Mix is versatile. You can, and we, we kind of talked about this a little bit before the yep. podcast, but the versatility of Maker Mix is tremendous. And Joe can talk more about the versatility that he loves about Maker Mix because Maker Mix is a very versatile mix. You can do a lot with Maker Mix, but you can do anything with Rad Mix because you have the flexibility of adding your own Sands and adding your own Portland. And that, that opens up a lot more options, but both are versatile, but one offers infinite versatility. or maker mix is very versatile but you're limited because you're starting with white portland and the sands that we've chosen for structural reasons and flowability. Joe, you want well, to talk about I that? Mean,
2: yeah, well, the versatility of maker mixes. I and mean, we're working on a project right now. It's one of the one of the most ambitious ones we've ever done in this shop and, and, you know, not only from mold complexity standpoint, but also just from, you know, incorporating basically all three base variations of the maker mix from sort of a traditional, you know, hand press, real tight hand press look that we're doing with, and then, you know, coupling that with a a GFRC perimeter and a structure SCC structural backer over that. So you just get this, you get these striations of of very subtle variations in it, but you know to be able to handle that all out of one bag mix. If we had to do this another way with a different bag mix and having to use two different bag mixes to get what we want, the water to cement ratio is required to you know to get those mixes to the point where where we need them would be so different. To pour that all into one mold would cause a lot of things to happen during the curing process that would would add the potential for cracking and shrinking and pulling in a bunch of different directions. But when you can take one mix really easily, change it three different ways, and then layer that all together into one casting, that's insane. We've only dreamed about doing that. and to to be able to pull that together like we have been on this has just been insane and really could not do this without a lot of work um in any, in, 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 I'm not even sure we could do it. I wouldn't feel confident enough to do it. But, but cool. knowing that we can pull those three out of this one bag
0: has just been insane and allowed us to do so much cool stuff. Well, the versatility, yeah, of, of Maker Mix is incredible. You know, again, for somebody new who hasn't listened to past podcasts, can you do GFRC? Absolutely. It's glass fiber. Can I do ECC? Yes, you can. Use PVA fiber. Can I do... A sprayed face coat. Absolutely, we have a mix design for that on our, on our website. Uh, somebody asked recently, can I do high spray? And high spray was um, a technique developed, I wanna say by Justin Bird back in the day, where essentially you took a hopper gun, you sprayed a face coat from a very uh, high angle, and just kind of loosely sprayed the surface. You didn't try to make a solid face coat. And then you came back and poured an SEC, or sometimes you'd spray a secondary or even a third high spray to kind of get layering of color, but then you'd pour an SEC backer. Yeah, you can do that with Maker Mix easily. You know, mix up the face coat recipe, put it in a hopper, lightly spray your form with it from a high kind of downward angle, and then pour your SEC backer, and there you go.
1: Yeah, and the question evolved around when he, when he was asking me, his thought was, is it possible to create? So this is something a lot of people just understand. There are some looks that ultimately require a step process in your approach. So the high spray technique, I mean, Joe, Brandon, you guys, you know, tell me you're back. No, I mean, it needs to be created with a high spray technique. Well, what was you're the not question? Create was he trying to do it just strictly with, SCC?
0: Uh, so he's trying to do high
1: spray with just SEC? Jesse, yeah, his question to me was, hey, can I, you know, they sell quite a bit of that. John, is it possible to use make or mix all SCC approach to creating that look? And my answer was no. And his reasoning behind the question wasn't just because he wanted it easier to do, meaning just, hey, we just want to pour it in. His question was a little bit of I don't know hesitation with the ability for the materials to be used in that technique. And so my answer was like, no, man. It's again, it's totally blend it up, run your high spray, splatter, do your thing. You know, change your color, do whatever you want to do. And then hell, turn around and immediately grab something, blend up your SCC and cover it. Or or as Joe saying, I don't make up an ECC style and hand place it, and then yeah. follow it with an SCC. I mean, you can use all the techniques together, and the benefit is you don't have to have your shop full of three, four, five different additives or three or four different mixes. And, you know, it's so it's totally cool. That was his hesitation, though, mm. worrying that he couldn't necessarily bring it all together.
0: Yeah, you just use the face coat mix and spray that. I mean, mix up a small amount with that color, spray that and then have your your SEC back coat mix ready to go. That's a different color. So you get the high spray look Pour that and you're done. I mean, it's pretty darn easy.
2: I get that question a lot, and you know, I, and just really making it clear that these are all compatible. You really can't go wrong if you're all if you're using the same bag to make whatever variation you have in your head. Just try it because it's probably going to work. You know, really you don't need to worry about it too much as long as you're using makers to do it all. It's going to be very compatible from uh, from. You know, stuff not moving in in different
0: directions when it's curing. Well, it's the same mix. Different loadings. Yeah. Yeah. Same mix, same water to cement, and same plasticizer.
2: Right. Yeah. A, A subtle variation in the plasticizer can give you so many different things. And you can play with the water to cement ratio a little bit, too. It actually has a really wide range of water that it can handle. Depending right. on what you want to really do, does. that's a really important thing too. It can handle it, and it's not going to screw up whatever's underneath it too, if it has a different butter uh, uh, cement ratio. Uh,
0: let's not let's <laughs> not open up Pandora's box here. <laughs> no, but
1: that, as, as he was talking to me about his hesitation, I you know kept walking through him like you know, listen, here's here's an example. He's like, all right, go ahead. Okay, so mix up the spray formula. Do your high spray. While you have your backer, again, I, and I just giving him scenarios. In this case, look, you got your, you've already got, you know, three bags in your 120 blending up into an ECC consistencies. He's like, all right. I said, what, what would you do normally with any spray material you had left over? Let's say you got a, I don't know, a half a bucket's worth sitting there. He goes, oh, you know, we just dumping it out. I go, okay. Well, in this case, add it into the mixer. <laughs> Let's just throw it right in, make it part of your ECC, and then hand place it. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. The only difference here would be, you know, some of the fiber, a uh, little lower fiber loading that you had for your spray. Turn around, dump it right in. All good. Add a little more fiber to compensate. S- sold. He's like, really? I go, yeah. Let's say the same thing. Followed it with, you got SCC being blended. It's all good. Okay. Dump it in. Dump it in with your <laughs> SCC. It's all good. <laughs> He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, man. It's, again, these are, it's completely compatible. A lot less waste just remove your hesitation and go for it. So I think that's what he was doing today or tomorrow is, uh, running some just for his own confidence level.
0: Yeah. The only thing about that would just be the pigment of your face coat that you made. You know, is it going to be shifting the color of your back coat the wrong way? If it's pigmented, it it could go either way.
1: I agree with you, but typically in the, you know, high spray or you know, the other names for it, crappy spray, uh, there's a variation in color anyway. Yeah. You know, they're not trying to be spot on. So a little bit switch here or there actually adds to it rather than subtracting.
0: Well, my favorite that I saw Justin Bird do, it would be the way I would approach it. I don't know how Justin did. It would be, let's say I'm, I made a bright red face coat and I would do, I'd take a couple scoops. I put it in hopper gun. I would spray from high angle, lightly spray. Then I would add a little bit of, uh, jet pigment, darken it slightly, just a little bit. Then spray a second coat, again lightly. Then add a little bit more jet pigment, and then do a third coat. And then add a little bit more jet pigment, and make it a SEC GFRC, and just pour it in the backer, and you'd end up with a very, very dynamic colored piece that has all that movement of color into it. It's not just two colors, so it would have a lot of movement to it. And that's the an easy way to do it, just by continually just bumping up your pigment as you're doing it, and you know, not wasting any mix.
2: One one of the cool things about the high spray technique that I always liked was that you could also get a textural variation in it because what you're spraying on at first, you actually, you know, you want that to dry out a little bit. So it would oftentimes get a little drier and weaker than the mix around it, the first stuff you sprayed. So when you acid washed it, it would eat away some of that earlier stuff a little bit more and give you almost a, you know, a textural variation in the face of it once you sealed it. That it just gave this incredible natural look and feel to it. I always like that about it.
0: You know, I made a note earlier about what you're doing with distributorship, and I want to kind of come back to that real quick before I forget. You're offering a sampler pack for, for Maker Mix, correct?
2: I am. Yeah, it's it's uh, it stemmed out of the uh, the dreaded UPS 50 pound limit. When you go over that, shipping nearly doubles uh to get it anywhere in the US. So, I downpack it into a 5-gallon bucket and I throw in a little TBP enough to run it at a full SCC loading uh or anything in between and um put it in a box and we can ship that anywhere in the US. It's typically about 50 to 60 dollars like if I were to ship that to the East Coast, about 30 bucks if it's somewhere in California. It's still a little pricey, but it it's really the only the best way to get just a very small amount of this, so you can get your feet wet. Pour it in a couple little molds and and test your sealers on it or whatever, because a lot of people are pretty hesitant about going. You know, even with five bags. So this is this is the the way to get makers uh, and and test it out for yourself and see see how you like it. And we really encourage that that you try the actual makers mix, not just the rad mix so that you have a baseline so that you understand what this thing can do and what it's all about. And then you can get the rad mix and start trying to replicate that. If you want to use your local sands and aggregates and cements, uh, but at least you've poured it once or twice and you understand what it's all about. And that's super important. So that's how we, that's how we're offering it. And I think I run that for $54 a bucket.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to get a, get some uh, mix to test. You brought up something, test and sealer. And that's a good segue into our last topic I think we're going to cover today, but it's a big topic. I think it's going to go on for a little bit. I got a message earlier today from a person overseas. I'm not going to mention their name, but I'll read their, I'll read their message they sent and we can talk about it. He wants to know about how ICT protects the full system, concrete and sealer, against acidic foods that may stain the surface he knows that topicals this is what he says i know with topicals i give my clients the best durability against this problem especially with seal hair although stinky not the best looking non-fixable and expensive that's not good it'll hold against acids really good i've been told to set expectations wipe the drip or you're going to get stains I need to understand the approach in real life, as you usually say, from a standpoint of the customer who mainly consider durability to stains, what kind of expectations should I set? That's a whole, whole lot to unpack. So first, before we even go down that road with, you know, topicals versus uh, reactives and expectations and which is better, which is worse and all that kind of stuff. Joe, what are your expectations and what do you tell clients when you seal a piece with ict what should they expect real world real world durability with ict
2: should it be saying something that i, I haven't even really thought about this for over a year <laughs> <laughs> that's how good it's been Um makers mix coupler coupled with ict has just been you know the latest iteration of this with the prime and 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 the seal it i Cannot say enough good things about it for ease of application. John, you have really done it this time. I have such happy customers with it. It's such a peace of mind on my end. Uh, to to that end, um, you know, in a real world situation, I'll tell you right now that in I th- close to twelve, maybe at least twelve years of employing ICT in every variation, John's ever made it in. I've only gotten one or two callbacks in that time and those were more early on related to acid in a real world situation actually creating a stain that I had to deal with. That's the real world. Now in the shop, I can create stains on the samples, the stain tester samples that I make. It's possible to, you know, to get it to react a little bit, although I'll say I haven't done it a lot recently. But the first ones I did with Maker's Mix and the new Prime and stuff, it takes a lot of work to put an acid stain on this stuff. In terms of acid, it's it's unbelievable. It it just It's really a non-issue in a real-world environment from my
0: shop's perspective. Yeah, I think real-world is more than acid. It's oils, it's liquid, it's really anything like that. And in my opinion, yeah, ICT stands up the best. You know, he brought up seal hair and he said that Let me pull it back up again, just so I can quote it. I don't want to misquote it. The problem with seal hair is it's stinky, not the best looking, not fixable, and expensive. I don't know why I'm still using it. But, um, Hmm. you know, that's the thing about ICT is it doesn't have an odor, number one. It looks amazing, number two. And if there is a problem, it's easy to fix. It's not... You don't have to go in there with grinders and plastic and dust extractors and, you know, do all this horrible stuff. You can go in there and buff it really quick and wipe on another coat and be in and out in 20 minutes. It's an easy thing to, to repair in the field without, uh, without spending, you know, two or three days on site and creating a hazmat zone.
2: Well, that's the other thing why I don't think about it too much. You know, when I do get a call about something, and really, in the last years, those, it really... Been related to you know water shadowing underneath it when left for long periods of time. Which I'll say in the last year, I've no, I haven't gotten a peep about that. Uh, you know, the dreaded gray bathroom sink with the soap, the dreaded soap dispenser next to it, the dreaded soap (laughs) dispenser absolutely the worst thing in the world. But I think that the, this newer system handles it better than anything else has in the past and setting client expectations, you know, which is really, this is going to happen if you do this, get a soap dish that has a couple little feet on it. So it stands up off the counter and put your soap dispenser in that, if that's what you're going to do. So
0: what are the expectations you, when you meet with a client are like, Hey, what should I expect from this? How should I take care of it? What do you say?
2: Yeah, I tell them that, you know, if if I'm installing it in a house that they're going to put it into use almost immediately, really be careful with it like the first month and just wipe everything up, pay attention to it. They're brand new counters. You're probably going to do that anyway. Um, Windex is a great cleaner. Wipe it down with a microfiber cloth. Don't use abrasion uh, unless you absolutely have to, in which case go very lightly, you know, if you're trying to scrub off a ketchup goop from the night before or something like that and and wet it out, let it soak, scrub it very lightly. And then I tell them, you know, look, if you're cooking in your kitchen and you're using these like crazy, uh, I expect a call from you in like three years. It's going to look maybe a little dark toward the front of the counter in high use areas. And, um, you know, if you aren't really good about knowing how to clean a top that's got a lot of buildup on it, uh over the years, um, you're gonna want to call me and we're gonna come in here and we're gonna spend a couple hours. It's gonna cost you, I don't know, three, four hundred bucks maybe at the most, depending on how much work I have to spend on it. And uh they're gonna look like new again. And that's worked super well. If it's a bathroom sink, I just give them the spiel about the soap dish. And I say, if I come in here and I have to fix, you know, it it's not if I have to fix a dark ring under this by grinding back the sealer and letting it breathe and, and having to deal with that, it's going to cost you money. And I don't consider it my fault because I've told you this and you need to get a soap dish with feet on it. And that's resolved a lot of issues and setting clients expectations to say that, Hey, I am going to be back, but it's going to be easy. It's not going to cost you a lot of money. And I'm going to have them looking new again. And I've got clients now that I've been back three or four times that cook a lot in their kitchens, 10-year-old pieces, and they're just so happy that I can come and fix it up and I pick up the phone and I talk to them and it's not a problem. And that's the biggest thing for me.
0: If you set the client expectations up front, this is a real material. Real materials age. A wood table will age. A slate floor will age. A concrete countertop or sink will age. It should age gracefully. You know, we're not going to end up with this big stain right in the middle of the surface we don't get that with make or mix and ict but it will patina in time gracefully and when you have that conversation with clients and as it slowly ages not not these you know gaudy stains or anything like that but it just like like copper or you know wooden table or anything like a leather eames chair will age gracefully over time and that's part of the beauty of the material and that's why you want the material not a plastic Eames chair. You want a leather Eames chair. It's the same thing with that. And so if you have that conversation up front, they're expecting it. And I've had clients that I've talked to when I've gone back to the project, maybe to make another piece for their house and I'll see their countertops and I'll talk to them and I'm like, oh yeah, there's like a little bit of, a little bit like by the stove, a little dark over here. Oh yeah, no, but you told us to expect that. So, you know, we don't sweat it. So you put that expectation in their mind and they don't lose their mind. But if you go into it and like, hey man, this thing's gonna look like this for the next 20 years. And then it gets a little dark next to the stove because grease splatters right there constantly and they never wipe it up. Then they lose their mind because you didn't set that expectation up front.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's been huge uh, to set client expectations with that. You know, I'll go even further on exterior pieces. I tell them I'm gonna be back every year if they want me to. If You know, uh, they're not gonna clean it all winter no matter what they tell themselves. And if it's been sitting out there and leaves are getting on it or whatever, you know, call me in the spring. I I make the rounds through Napa Valley and even a little further sometimes. Try to set aside a little time in the spring to do this and try to fit, you know, a couple of clients in uh, per run and um, just do the uh, spring cleanup. Uh, Do a deep clean on them. Lo and behold, there's the ICT under all that scum. And a little fresh sealer on top of that. And they're super happy. And they just handed you a check instead of calling you saying, there's no sealer on my countertops. You need
0: to come out and fix this. Or telling all their friends how bad it is. You know, I got these concrete countertops and one winter and they look like crap. And it's like, no, they don't look like crap. You just didn't clean them. All I did was set that expectation up front. Now I'm getting paid to do that.
2: And the client's happy. Yeah. So it's, it's a very subtle thing, but it's so 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 important if you're gonna do this to to really set those expectations.
0: So John, seal hair yeah. expectations versus Yeah, you've
2: been you've been awfully quiet. <laughs> Listen,
1: he's I, he's been over there, his head's like, oh, been just oh, about we're ready biting his my blood. lip. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Eey>. uh, <laughs> you guys touched on it. I think one of the hardest things with any of the guys, so whoever gave you this message, and that goes down to anybody listening to. Those people who have learned to be, I hate to say diehards, but they have implemented these kind of systems, meaning ICT, into their business and what they're doing, they have learned to get over the, or let's say, learn the confidence of setting an expectation. Those people who don't, who still fight that battle, they're the ones that also fight their own battle of setting expectation and fight the battle with the materials they're using. We go over it over and over and over again. You know, the maybe sealer wars, whatever we want to call them. Seal hair or otherwise. You know, the guys, the, the quick fix, oh, come on, there's no denying it. It's a quick fix. You get over, you know, it's it's bad solvent smell that may blow you out of the shop, uh, unhealthy you know there's lots of things we can coin to that okay maybe from your his expectation or use it doesn't look the same or maybe it feels like plastic or whatever the case may be and then you know we always we'll just walk down the road the inevitability what 6 months 2 years you know when those mechanical bonds break it is what it is but you have to accept the material for what it was to begin with and that seems like what in my opinion that's what people aren't doing is accepting the material they keep you know fighting themselves looking in the mirror not really accepting what this material is meaning concrete uh, what sealer you know are, are you a, a purist you know do you want to use epoxy what are the downsides how does it last i mean this all goes into it and the rest of us that have that keep following this path Here's my easiest, which again, okay, John, whatever. I live with my materials. I don't just use them. I live with them. I said time and time again, although it doesn't seem that long ago, but you know, my own kitchen remodel, I'm sorry, we abuse the crap out of it. We have a coffee bar <laughs> area that we're using. Uh, we installed it. I started using it, you know, 24 hours post-sealing. Uh, I don't know. Come to my house then, if anybody wants to say I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, look at the other half of the kitchen, waiting to re- be remodeled, which is now 14 years old. That again has been used and abused. Uh, we don't. I don't live in a house with you know white gloves on. So come take a look. I'll, I'll show you the graceful aging of the pieces that still to this day people walk in the house. And my mom, or excuse me, my wife loves it because she loves the old side, which is more of a terrazzo finish, actually. Um, Joe, you might remember. Uh, why can't I think of his name? Who did we have who he came up and helped me cast these? Right there in sack. Why Dana Andrews? Yeah, Dana. Yeah, Dana. Dana, came Dana. Up and cast, yeah, Cassie's with me. Exactly. Um, so, again, I, I know what the materials do. I have long since stopped feeling like I have to talk people into it. I don't think I do. I know the other people still think they got to talk you into it, but whatever, man, it is what it is. I just you know, wonder. I, I, I have such
2: a hard time. You bring up a really good point, John. Of like, you know, you looking in the mirror and doing doing battle with yourself for years. I I just cannot wrap my head around someone who's building a business around. These sealers, and I just, I can never get a straight answer out of them about, you know, what, what do you do when that call comes in? Because I know it's going to come in. How do you handle this? Do you, do you get into fights with your customers about this? Is it just turn into this bad relationship that you live in fear of your own customers? Because you just are ignoring that phone call, or or trying to just blame it on them, which just creates this horrible situation. Are you talking about the I sealer manufacturers,
0: that. or are you talking about the end client? No, that well, the the uh, the the fabricators
2: that are making this product and putting it out there with these sealers on it that you know we know are going to fail at some point and result in a phone call from an unhappy client down the road. How you know? I just don't understand how you can, I you you know, really have this horrible relation, end up with these horrible relationships with your clients over time yeah. because it's just, or do the clients just kind of have this five-year life cycle where they're not going to bother to call after that point? And you're just kind of counting on that. I don't understand it. I just can't, I can't wrap my head around it, and I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. If I knew that I was going to have to get into a fight with my clients or. Or just, you know, so I don't lose so much money. I'm just trying to do everything except for accept responsibility for it and come deal with it.
0: Shit flows downhill. And unfortunately, the problem is the sealer manufacturer, or more often, 99% of the time, the sealer retailer, because there's very few people that actually manufacture any sealer. They're repackaging. So they're the sealer retailer, right? So that's where the problem begins. And it's the relationship. It just kind of continues downhill. So the, the fabricator calls the sealer repackager and says, Hey, my client just called me and it peeled. And the manufacturer, or the, the repackager is what it is. The repackager says, user error. You did something wrong. You're the only person in the world that's ever had this fa- the sealer fail. Nobody else having failure, but you What'd you do? Too much moisture, too much moisture in your shop, too much moisture in the concrete, too much moisture in your HVLP sprayer. Your roller was the wrong kind. Whatever it is, they're going to have a reason. Well, now you're stuck holding a bag because they didn't take accountability for selling you a crap sealer that they repackaged. So now your client is looking at you and you're like, hey, buddy, I don't know. What'd you do? What'd you do to the concrete? Like nobody else, I, I've made hundreds of countertops for people. Nobody else having a problem but you. And so unfortunately, That shit rolled all the way downhill to the customer and they feel like, you know, they did something wrong when they know they didn't, Uh, but it all starts with an inferior product. It kind of goes back to, you know, we've said this in previous podcasts, or I've said this in previous podcasts, not John, but anybody I've seen that's done this for a long time, more than I'd say five years, has all made the switch to reactives because they cannot, it's untenable to run a business where you're getting those calls with catastrophic sealer failures because a plastic film delaminated turned yellow, scratched, right. scratched off
2: through. Yeah. Right.
0: You cannot run a profitable business. And at some point you have that realization and you just say, I can't do this anymore. I got to switch. And luckily there's maker makes and ICT that are phenomenal one, two punch on sealer technology. So you can have a reactive sealer that performs outperforms, you know, I would say outperforms any topical on the market and real world test, not a cotton ball underneath the cup kind of crap. But in real world, you know, commercial and residential applications, in my opinion, the real problem starts at the, you know, head of the stream. You know, the sealer repackager is where the problem starts.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. And I got to hand it to some of these customers that have persevered all these years and are still calling me. 10 years after getting something installed, you go to their house and you just can't believe they're even living with it. And, and, but you know, that that's the allure of concrete, I guess, because they're willing to give it another go around. And, and I've had some customers where we've gone in and, and replaced the old tops or they've lived with it in a previous house. And when they get this new material in here and they live with it for a while, the happiness that they have, they're just like, we just love concrete so much and, you know, we were willing to do it again and you nailed it and this works. And, and that's pretty awesome, pretty amazing, but I'm still just blown away by what people have gone through and still are willing to, to, to risk it again, to try and get the look they want. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and digressing back, I'm just going to say the hesitation of sounding callous. Then you just read that the number one clients is, the fear of darkening or whatever that they, they don't want to see it change color or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah. The other, I didn't read the second part of his message, um, but it said, Oh, uh, let's go. Let me go back to it here. Where is it at? He said, uh, a lot of times the only thing to interest his customers is water stains under the toothbrush cup or anything standing on their top, holding water below it. A lot of them don't care much beyond that. Seal hair doesn't let anything go through. So that's what he said. But I would say, just based on my experience, is even in a bathroom, there's a lot more than water being used on a countertop. There's shaving cream, there's toothpaste, there's perfume, there's uh, hand soap. There's all these things that it's really easy to make a concrete waterproof, but it's not going to hold up anything besides water. You know, you could spray a hydrophobic... Uh, spray on it. And it's going to repel water all day long. But the second you pour anything else on it that's not water, you have a problem.
1: Well, there's that. And what I was going to add, it just shows me again, an, an individual. And I don't, like I said, I'm not trying not to sound callous about this, but then you're not running a business selling the material for what the material is. And I know there's lots of things to compare it to. I just put a soapstone sink in. Well. You know, I, I chose soapstone knowing full well that soap's coming from scratch. But at no point did I go in. Actually, that's not true. Actually, I, I did have one of the people like, well, you know, uh, this is real durable and it, uh, it's really hard to scratch. So I walked over to one of his samples and I scratched it. And I'm like, uh, that didn't seem very, that seemed kind of soft, just as I would have expected. Then he changed his whole tune and we had a very good conversation about what the soapstone expectation is. But that, in my opinion, was up to him to embrace the material for what it is. So if you have a customer, and I'm guessing at some point when he sat down to talk about their bathroom vanity, they looked at him and said, hey, you know, the one thing we can't stand is if we set our toothbrush holder, and if it darkened, then you must not know your concrete. Immediately, he should have said, yeah, it'll darken. That's what this material does. And that's what makes it amazing. Yeah, I mean, you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Embrace it for what it is. Do the best job with what you have. Create durability. Create quality. There's so many other features about concrete that apparently, at least it sounds like up front, that he's overlooking. Because if a client came to me and said, that's my number one concern. Great, because I got t- ten other clients that um, you're holding up. So shake your hand. Thanks for your time. Take care.
0: Well, and <laughs> it's the the you know tail leading the dog essentially. The client is telling you what your what your concrete should do. It's like no, bro. I'm the expert. I'm the I'm the artisan. I'm the exactly. fabricator. This is what it does. So I know in your head, somebody that's never done this before that's hired me because you don't know how to do it yourself. You're telling me how it should perform. No, I'm telling you how it should perform. So I'm the one telling you. And if that works, great. And if it doesn't, there's a lot of quarrying out there. You know, there's plenty of people that will cut a piece of plastic for you and stick it in your your bathroom. So that's the other part of it is, you know, it's on you, the fabricator, the artisan, the craftsman. You're the expert. The client looks to you to be the expert. And if you're not the expert, they're going to be the expert. They're going to tell you. (laughs) what what your concrete's doing wrong. I think I I told the story on a previous podcast, but the client that was telling me, you know, when I, when I pour sinks, a lot of times I'll put a backer mold and I'll pour it in layers and end up with what I call lift lines, which are just shadows of the different layers that go in. And I love it. I think it's an artifact of the process. It doesn't change the texture at all. It's just a slight tonal shift between layers, which again, to me is beautiful. I love it. But he was telling me that, uh, the sealer ran. I'm like, no, I, I don't put a topical sealer on. It's a reactive sealer. What do you mean reactive? Well, it reacts with the concrete. There's no coating. Well, I'm pretty sure the sealer dripped. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I was, well, I'm going to have one of my, my concrete expert friends come over and look at it. And he's going to tell me what happened. And I was like, oh, dude. Like, and I told him, I will send a truck, put that sink back in the crate. I will arrange the freight. I'll pay for it to come back. I'll refund your money in full. I don't want you to be unhappy. Right, I don't want you to have anything that you're not happy with. Oh no, no, I didn't say I'm not happy with. I love it. I just want to make sure there's not a problem. No, there's not a problem. But the client was trying to be the expert on the material. When I'm telling them, like, no, you know. So, anyways, it's on us to set that expectation and to hold to expectation and not let them bend that expectation or tell us what it should be because they don't know. Well, they don't.
1: And and just like in the life podcast, we discussed. Someone who was asking me again, who is switching over this direction, super excited. He's been doing it for a while, referencing back to a conversation I had with him a year ago on Facebook, by the way. So I guess not a verbal, but a typing conversation. And I just told him, man, in the meantime, learn how to use these materials. Maybe it just ends up a tool in your toolbox. I mean, for God's sakes, we all have different size crescent wrenches, right? You're not obligated to just buy one crescent wrench. So learn the materials, learn how to use them, learn how to build your business around with them. And then in this case, using the same person, if you had a client and I don't know, maybe you really wanted to do something for this client and they sat down and that was their number one concern, not, not looks, not feel, not, I mean, it's just, this is our number one top concern. Great well, then offer them this choice, move on and make your money. But know how to use the other tools in your toolbox and use them properly and effectively. To me, that's the ultimate answer. Well,
0: I hope we answered his question. I don't know if we did, but essentially ICT on MakerMix is an extremely durable sealer for the real world. You can expect it to stand up very well against acids oils moisture scratching staining um it doesn't yellow it's easy to repair in the field it's the only food contact safe sealer out there as john said in the last podcast you know all the rest that claim that they have ingredients in them that there's no way they could actually be food contact safe so if you want to do this for a living you want to do this professionally you want to do this for a long time and not have callbacks Go this direction. If you like pain, if you, you know, have one of those whips that you whip yourself on the back and you wear the scratchy undershirt that's constantly making you uncomfortable, go with a topical. You'll love it. Yep. You'll love it. If you love pain, you'll love a topical. But if you don't like pain, you like making money, you don't like spending money on recasting pieces, use Maker Mix and ICT. Yep.
1: Yeah, and to add yeah. to that, anybody listening as they move along, you know, ICT and John Schuler have been around for a long time. There's no question about it. Anybody who's tried or worked with, you know, the older chemistries along the ICT road with me, again, thank you very much for being here. But I'm going to put on the table that the, the CTs offered, you know, through Kodiak and myself, uh, that Joe's been using. I mean, they've been game changers that I personally believe, without hes- hesitation putting this out there, has brought this technology up you know, a hundredfold from where it's ever been. I know I'm incredibly happy with it, which I guess, you know, people, like, ah, that's easy for you to say, John. No, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> because I live with it. I see it every day. I see what changes I made and why. I know why I strove to get here. And, you know, the Prime coupled with the the newer Protect and Satin formulas, it's pretty amazing.
0: It really is for me knowing you all these years, for you to actually like a sealer is the rare occurrence. Because all yeah, these years true. with ICT, and, and Joe Bates knows this, is you've always been striving to make it better. You've always been like, right. yeah, this is, this is close, mm. but I'm, I'm going to still tweak it. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You've yeah. always been semi-happy, but not 100%. And now at this point, with this, you know, this most current iteration of Prime and Protect, As it is right now, it is as close to perfect as it's ever been.
2: I'm going to third that. I mean, really, it's just insane. And and if you're an ICT user from the past who's been frustrated, who just can't quite bridge that gap, try it again. Uh, Use the Prime. Use the Protect. Do it again. You're not going to be disappointed. It is a huge, huge change from where it was a year and a half ago. God knows I remember those periods where you know john went dark P.S. you knew, you knew something was you, you knew something was brewing and, PS1, and sure man. enough he would he would come back out of it and i'd get the phone call and it'd be
0: like oh john wakes up in the middle of the night sweating screaming ps1 ah! his wife wakes him up john john you know this is prime and protect. now he's like oh thank god and he falls back asleep but yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Joe, too, yeah, you know, I'll put it out there. This formula, which I am insanely happy with, and I th- I told the story numerous times. Joe walked me through like a newbie, this whole backrolling method with the initial applications. And I don't know if you're still doing backrolling methods for all your applications, but that, to me, from an application point of view, at least for the for those first ones for me, I mean that uh, with that has been a complete no-brainer game changer. Oh, it's, I'm it's incredible. Totally stoked doing it that way. Yeah,
2: and you know what you know what else I noticed about that too is uh, most of the guys using like an acrylic base sealer are really familiar with how to roll something. And not a lot has changed with how you how you kind of finish that out with the roller between ICT and a more traditional sealer like that. So they understand it. And it's what got a lot of people over the hump of how to apply it, uh, which was really hanging them up. And and they they get it when you start talking rollers because they're used to doing that with a lot of other sealers. And, and it really works here. We still employ it. Um, we change it up depending on what we're doing certain pieces just seem to do better with other application techniques but the role is still one of our primary ways to get it on there you
0: know what I miss though is doing classes with John saddled up behind somebody with his hand on top of their hand <laughs> applying the correct yeah. amount of pressure and you know, John's like the gorilla that's just standing right behind him like breathing on their neck nobody yeah. was comfortable with that nobody felt comfortable but it was, it was like so- ghost <laughs> It was so entertaining to watch. I don't know, man. I kind (laughs) of like
2: it. As I'm breathing in their ear, whispering. I felt very, very comfortable and at peace with my sealer.
0: Three pounds of pressure.
1: (laughs) Well, and and so I'm gonna add something. It It reminds me talking about the right, with the, you know, I'm gonna call it the back roll. I hate calling it a roll because to me, at least the way I do it, it's more of a back roll. So I got some. Both pictures and a question yesterday. Not a bad question, but he some samples that he sealed, hit them with some water. Because again, we've talked about the water soaking technique and you know can kick in the Sloxanes a lot quicker and et cetera. And he sent me back pictures where you could see these. I wouldn't say the the sample darkened, but you could see these darkened lines, which was pretty obvious, having done this long enough. It was his original application lines meaning where the material was heavier with the initial wiping techniques of the soaking rather than a back rolling technique. So that was something I want to put out there too. And I might post the pictures. I'll ask him first, post the pictures, but that's another thing that the back rolling with the initial soaks has made completely night and day too for anybody who didn't understand or don't understand what some of that can happen. So I'm, I'm again, I, I'm just, a, I guess what I'm really putting out there again, thanks, Joe. Thanks for pushing me to do the rolling. I can't remember, whatever it was six months, a year ago, when I called you every 30 seconds. Joe, what do I do now? Joe, like, can we FaceTime? <laughs> Joe, <laughs> this is what I'm doing because uh, I totally dig it, man. It's awesome
2: yeah it's a good way to go and it it really it really helps people get get into it and get the right amount of sealer on there and 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 have more success with it absolutely all right guys well i think
0: that is a good stopping point jesus yeah i've got to pee yeah me too there you go
1: (laughs) awesome joe it was good fantastic as always to catch up with you once again
2: Yeah. Anytime. I totally enjoy geeking out on concrete for a little while and spreading the word. And uh, I want to say you guys sound better and better with every podcast. It's been really fun to listen to them and uh, happy to check in whenever you want to talk.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. That's good.
2: Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Adios. Adios.
0: Adios. Later.